Man, I'm so glad you came out today and so glad you're here. Like Pastor Dell mentioned a little bit earlier, my name is Andy and I'm one of the pastors here at Kings and it's always an incredible honor and exciting for me to be able to be here with you and be able to share. And we are putting a bow on, because it's Christmas time, the technology, or sorry, the trending series and we're talking about technology today. It's the last topic in our trending series. You guys enjoyed the trending series that Pastor Brent's been leading us through? Like, man. It's been incredible. If you're new and you're just catching up, like you can go back and watch them all online. They're all there. But we've been looking at some some hard-hitting, sort of like big culture, cultural hot-button topics and uh, saying like, what's, what's our role as a church and how we respond to those things? And so today, as we're wrapping it up, we are talking about technology and the title of the message is Technology in the Digital Age. And it's something that I know affects every single one of us in this room right now, every single one of us tuning in online. Like, like the other issues we've discussed probably affect many of us, but this is one that none of us can get away from. Now, some of you guys are already going, oh, technology, that's for my grandkids, right? I don't do the tablets. I don't do a smartphone. I still got the, the you know, flip phone and a, and a landline. You know, that's not my thing. But listen, I think all of us flipped a light switch this morning, and we had lights come on, and we hit that in the dark at 6 a.m. Like, we've all got a toaster. We've all got a microwave. Like, we all enjoy the benefits of technology, amen? Like, come on. Like, we all, we all like it. If we had to go back to the stone, ages. I don't think any of us would probably be happy about that, okay? But uh, for us, like, the, the, to looking at our world today and the way our culture is shaped, like, it's so influenced by technology, isn't it? And when you really stop and really just take a moment to reflect on it, like, it makes my head spin just how shaped and influenced by technology that we are, even just in recent history, okay? Even just with what we have access to. Like, if I wanted to know what Prince Harry and Meghan Markle had for breakfast, yesterday, I could probably find that out in like a second, you know? I just pull up Google and I look it up and probably someone was there and wrote something about it. I kid you not, this past week, I was scrolling through my news feed, you know, and I was like, ooh, an article, what does the queen like to eat for breakfast? So I clicked on it, as you do, right? And I'm reading, spoiler alert, she likes special K, I guess. That's like Queen Elizabeth's thing that she likes to have for, she's getting feeling real crazy, she'll mix it up with some yogurt and some oatmeal, but like, special K is her jam, okay? And it's like, a hundred years ago, we never would have had access to information like that, you know? Like, everything is at our fingertips, unfettered access. And it has not been like this for very long. Like, if you look at the scope of world history, like, even just looking back 50 years ago, I did a little bit of research, and 49 years ago, to be exact, in 1969, the space race was happening. Does anybody remember that? Like, that's within lifetimes. Like, many of us were alive for that. If you don't know what the space race was, if you're young, young I wasn't alive for it, sorry guys, but uh, the space race race was like basically the Soviet Union and the United States were flexing their muscles, their superpower muscles, and trying to be the first one to send a man to space and to put someone on the moon. And President John F. Kennedy pledged to the nation, he said, we will put a man on the moon in my presidency. And in 1969, the Apollo 11, some of you remember watching this on TV, the Apollo 11 touched down on the moon and Neil Armstrong stepped off of that bad boy and like the whole like one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind moment, right? And that, that changed everything. It was just a new level of technological marvel and achievement that we landed on as a human race. And that was just 50 years, 50 years ago. And when you think about just how much technology has changed change and how far it's advanced even in just that super short window 
of time when it compares to the rest of history. It's really insane. So I did a little bit of research, all right? And the, the computer that was on board, the Apollo 11, that took Neil Armstrong through 360,000 kilometers of empty space was less technologically advanced than all the toasters that we have sitting on our kitchen counters today. Like literally, I could take my toaster and fly to the moon like the same way the Apollo 11 did. And that blows my mind that like there's more technology in my toaster today than there was on the Apollo 11. And then back in NASA, like you guys know what a mainframe computer is, like a big computer that really like functions at a very high level. Like they had a mainframe computer there that was the size of a car for starters, okay? And it cost them in 1969, three and a half million dollars. Now I adjusted that for inflation because Google and technology and I can do that. And today that would be just over 24 million dollars. And guess what? This little eight gigabyte USB flash drive that I have here today is more powerful than that mainframe in 1969 that guided the Apollo to the moon. Isn't that insane? Like, can you imagine paying $24 million for this today? Like, you can get these at the dollar store. It's like nuts. Just in the last 50 years, how much our technology has advanced and has changed and it's like just really kind of mind-boggling to me like how quickly that happened. Like, and then if you take your smartphones, all right? Many of us today have a smartphone in our pocket right now. And they estimate, depending on the model or whatever, and the, and the, how old it is, but most of our smartphones are over 2 million times as powerful as a computer that sent a man to the moon. Isn't that insane? It's really cool. Like I've got that in my pocket right now. I have access to that kind of power and technology but here's, here's the thing, it's kind of disappointing to me as well because if we've got technology that's two million times more powerful than what sent the man to the moon, why haven't we done something two million times as cool as sending a man to the moon, you know? Like we've got these things now and we're just over here playing Flappy Bird while we go to the bathroom. <laughs> like that's what we're doing with this incredibly advanced technology that we've been given and we've been blessed with, Right? And you can't get away from it. Like, it's literally everywhere that you go. Many people are calling this the, the digital age. And even just within the last 20 years or so with the invention of, of the internet, right? It's literally changed the landscape. It fundamentally shifted the way we interact with each other. It's almost as if, and I know this sounds weird and almost like sci-fi, but it's almost as if there's this second dimension that we have and that we interact in now. Like we've got a physical space where I can see all of you and I can touch you and I can give you a high five and a hug if I want to. But then we've also got this like second layer, this digital space where we can FaceTime with the grandkids even if we're in Florida and we can send each other emojis and uh, watch cat videos, you know, and, and things like that. Like all these things that we can do now, send emails and comments and likes and posts, like things that we weren't able to do not very long ago. And it's a brand new kind of radical frontier for us as human beings. I know some of you guys are sitting here going, well, yes, that's, again, that's somebody else. That's not me. I, I'm not into that stuff. I'm not on social media. I just like my newspaper and a cup of King Cole, and that's good enough for me, baby. But here's the thing, right? Newspaper is technology. Like, print was a radical thing when that was invented, all right? The tea bag that you like to brew every night before you go to bed or when you wake up or whatever, that thing was mass-produced in a factory somewhere, and so was the mug that you drink it out of, okay? Unless maybe you're like Patrick Swayze or something, and you like to make your own clay mugs on a pottery wheel or something. I don't know, but 
but for most of us, they are mass-produced items that we're using. It's technology, right? That makes it possible for you. We all benefit from it. We all use it. It makes our lives easier, right? It, it, it sort of takes a complicated, mundane task, and it automates it for us. Like, think of it this way, all right? I want a slice of, I want a hunk of toast with a nice big dollop of butter on there today, okay? And so a hundred years ago, think about it, I would have had to gather all of these ingredients together, mix up the flour and the water and get some yeast and let it rise, milk a cow, churn some butter. How does that even work? I don't know, no idea. And if I'm lucky, like 17 hours later, I could have a piece of toast with some butter on it. You know what I'm saying? But today, what do we do? Today, we pull up a superstore online, and we'll punch in what we want. I drive to the front of the store. Some other poor sucker has to bring it out to me. I don't even have to go inside anymore. And like five minutes later, I'm home, and I'm putting my bread in the toaster, and I've got toast. Like, it's just, it's radically changed the way that we live and that the way that we operate as human beings. It's just true. It's changed our everyday lives, but we're beginning to discover as human beings, that all of that convenience might come at a cost, right? Again, this is a brand new frontier for us. We're still figuring out how this works, but we're, we've almost developed a bit of a love-hate relationship with technology. It makes our lives easier, and it's great, and we all use it. But at the same time, like if you're, if you're a parent, like you've probably been entrenched in the foxholes on the battlefield for screen time more times than you would care to admit, right? Because your kids want it and they need it and they think that they, they have to have it. And you're trying to be like, go outside and do something the way I play in some dirt or something. Go eat some mud pies or something. Like get off the stupid iPad, right? Like that's what we do as, as, as people now. And like it's almost, like it's, it's addicting, right? It gets us. And it's not just the kids either. Like how many times, how many, how many married people would be willing to admit we've had plenty of fights about how much the other spouse is spending time on their smartphone and not paying attention to the rest of the family, right? Like, we do it. It happens. There's a whole new term now. It's called fubbing. P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G. It's like snubbing someone in the favor of technology, like using your phone more than interacting with the person in front of you. Isn't that crazy? Like, we used to, like, married people used to go to bed and chat about their day and make love, and now we just both just lay there on our smartphones on our opposite sides of the pillow, and then we go to sleep. Like, it's it's crazy, but it's just where we're finding ourselves as a society. Technology is great, and it's awesome, but it's also got this other side. There's a, a tyranny of the urgent that comes along with it, where we turn on the TV and we're watching news. Pastor Brent's talked about this a little bit already, and like we see this like bright red ticker at the bottom of the screen. It's in all caps, and it's talking about all this horrible stuff that's happening all over the world, and it's coming in in real time. We've got text messages and push notifications and comments and likes on social media and articles and everything saying, look at me, read me, respond respond to me, and it almost creates this, this underlying current of stress and anxiety in our lives that didn't really exist before, like things that we feel like we have to be aware of that we never would, 100 years ago, someone never would have known what was happening on the other side of the world, and now we're taking it all in, and we're processing all of it, right? We can't even go on vacation or do something cool and that, like, without having like a selfie to prove that we were there, you know, and posting it online. That's part of the experience. Did you even snorkel with stingrays if you didn't take a selfie? No, I don't think so. Like, you got to take the picture and prove it, you know, that like, it's just, it's just where we're at. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I do it too, but it's just where we are. And I think we could all admit that technology, as great as it is, and living in this digital age and in this second dimension the cloud, whatever the heck that is, right? Like all my personal information is out there in some cloud somewhere. Someone's taking care of it. I don't really understand how it works, but we use it and we've got all this stuff 
that's happening, it's a little tricky to navigate sometimes. And what we've done in this trending series every single week is taken a topic that affects us and we've said, okay, it's a, it's a family conversation, right? For us as a church and as a, as a body together, like how do we interact with this issue? How do we interact and use technology? What's it look like for us to function within this digital space, in this digital area? How do we do that as followers of Jesus? How do we wield this power that we've all been given and we hold in our pockets and we've got at our fingertips? How do we use it and interact with it? What's it look like for a follower of Jesus? And then so I opened up the Bible to see what the Jesus had to say about uh, internet and the smartphones, and there was nothing, so we can go home now, all right? Like, that was it. Like, it doesn't talk about radio waves or electricity or anything like that in the Bible, right? But I, I discovered pretty quickly that, you know what? Just because technology, the way we understand it now, is all kind of new and fresh, technology has always existed. Do you know that? Like, technology is just, someone defined technology as anything that was invented after you were born, okay? And so, in Jesus' day, in Jesus' culture, yeah, they didn't have the internet, they didn't have smartphones, but they probably had things like pulleys and, and levers that were all new and all fresh back then. Masonry and stonework were all radical pieces of technology that they were beginning to learn how to use. Like some of the ancient feats of architecture, like we still don't understand in the modern day how they pulled it off without heavy machinery and computers and precise, precise design tools like the, what, that we have now. We still have no idea how they made the pyramids, let's be honest, right? Like we just don't know how they pulled that off. It's a, it's a mystery to us, but somehow they use technology to make it happen. And then in Genesis chapter 11, like right in the very beginning of history, just right after the great flood, if you're familiar with that, and the story of Noah and the ark and all of that, and they come off and they're starting a new life and a new society in the world. They've kind of got a blank slate. And in Genesis chapter 11, look what mankind did right in the very beginning of time. It says that then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and will keep us from being scattered all over the world. They said, let's take the technology that we have at our disposal and let's use it to what? Make ourselves famous, to make a name for ourselves. Let's use technology to lift ourselves up, to make ourselves look better, to increase our own platform. Very on in human history, we had to decide what we're going to do with technology. We've always had to decide, how are we going to wield this power that we've been given? And Paul and Jesus, listen, it wasn't all bad stuff. Paul and Jesus used technology. Jesus had a thing where he liked to go out. He had a big crowd of people. He would literally get in a boat and go out on a lake and then preach to like thousands of people along the shore because Jesus was smart. He knew that sound carries better over water, right? He didn't have a microphone. He didn't have amplifiers and speakers. So when he was preaching the gospel, he had to use the technology that was available to him, which just happened to be a boat, right? Go out on the water. More people can hear me. Him and Paul, they would, they would preach in amphitheaters, like natural amphitheaters that allowed their voices to carry further so that more people could hear their message, more people could receive the gospel, the good news. Here's the thing about technology. It always is going to advance the agenda of the user, right? Technology is amoral. It's like a thing. It doesn't operate on its own without a human being behind it. Technology is always going to advance our agenda, however we use it. If your agenda is political, technology can help you get there. If your agenda is social and you want to connect more with people, like technology can help you with that as well. If your agenda is to make yourself famous and to increase your own platform and get your own voice and opinions out there and to make a difference and leave your mark in the world, technology 
can help you do that. We have YouTube celebrities now. That's a new thing, right? They just make YouTube videos and post them and all of a sudden everybody follows them and wants to be like them, right? Like technology can help us do that. If our goal and our agenda is to preach the gospel and to see the gospel like go out into the world, technology can help us do that as well. There's something fascinating now that happens in our world that's kind of new for us in this new frontier in this digital age is that I could have a meeting, a conversation with a complete stranger, meet them, sit down, have coffee with them for an hour or so, and we could talk and they could share their life with me. And I could feel like I'm just sort of beginning to get to know this person. But then now I can go back and I can get in the car and I can pull up their Facebook profile and I can go through that. And in two minutes, I feel like I know them way better than I did in that hour-long conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's true because that tells me what their agenda is. That tells me what motivates them, the people they're friends with, what they post, where they go, where they check in, all of that. That's why now prospective employers and universities that we imply, apply to, they want to look at our Facebook profiles. They want to know what our online presence is and our online footprint because it reveals a ton about who we are, how we interact in this digital sort of second dimension in this new space we have tells so much about us really quickly. And here's the thing, as followers of Jesus, as the church, as King's church, like the kinds of things that should mark us and set us apart in person and in day-to-day and face-to-face, like those kinds of things should define us in this other digital realm, whatever it is, the cloud as well, right? On social media, our online presence, it's no different. Our words and our actions matter just as much. The Apostle Paul talked about something called the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe you're familiar with it. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, he said this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, in the, in the church, the followers of Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And then I think about like my Facebook feed. Does love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, like are those the things that mark me in my online world, like in my Instagram feed? Is that the tone that I'm sending when I email a coworker? Like, is, is, are the fruit of the Spirit on display in every facet of my life? Listen, the fruit of the Spirit may be even more important in the digital realm than they are in person. Did you know that? Because there's something, and we're beginning to discover this as a society, is there's something that feels less permanent and more anonymous about interactions that happen online. You know what I'm saying? That there's, that as, as human beings, we can be rough enough on each other when we're face to face and we have to look each other in the eye, but we're at our worst when we feel like we can hide behind a screen and a keyboard. You know what I mean? And when people will say things that they would never dare to say in person. And so for us, we've got to figure out, okay, what does that look like? How do I, how do I interact? What is it within me that, that maybe feels like it's okay to complain and whine and be more negative online than I would ever be in person? How does that, how does that look? How does that work out? And it's almost as if, like, and I know, I know that the internet and social media and the cloud, like, none of that existed in 50 AD when Paul was writing Galatians, but it's almost like he's reading our text messages and our emails here because he nails it here in verse 24 of Galatians 5, right after he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Listen to what he says. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Because since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every 
part. You gotta underline that. Every part of our lives. Let us not become, listen to these three things. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another. Hello, trolls. Or be jealous of one another. Like, I don't know about you, but my Facebook feed, like, seems to amplify those three things. Like, being conceited or provoking one another or being jealous. Like, there's plenty of people. And maybe we're all guilty of this. Maybe I'm guilty of this from time to time, too, that we want to increase our platform. Like, we post because we want to make ourselves look good. We want to make ourselves more famous. It's so easy to provoke each other online. You ever read the comments in a YouTube video? You know what a troll is? Like someone who just like is just being negative and spewing like bile and negativity all the time. We get them on our Facebook pages here at the church from time to time. Like it's just this new thing that we, like people are able to have a voice where they wouldn't have been able to have a voice before. And it tells a lot about them the way that they use it. And being jealous of each other. I mean, we all play the comparison game on social media from time to time, don't we? Like, it's so easy for me to compare my everyday mundane life. Like, the kid threw up on me, and they spilled their milk on the floor, you know, and the dog crapped in the corner. Like, all this horrible stuff that happened. And then somebody posts a picture of them in the Bahamas, like, doing something amazing. Like, sitting back on the deck of a cruise ship. And it's like, man, my life sucks, and their life's awesome. Like, why can't I afford to go on vacations like that? Or why can't my house look like that? Why are their kids so cute and mine are ugly? Like, I don't, I don't understand, right? And, and it is, like, it's, it's funny, but, like, we, we all have the, the, the death by comparison trap that we fall into sometimes. Like, whenever we're comparing our worst to somebody else's best, we lose every single time. And, like, it's, like Paul, it's almost as if this word is living and it's active and it still matters and still speaks to us today and still has a lot to say about how we conduct ourselves online and in the digital world. And it's, it's way too easy. It's way too easy for us to lower our standards of care and behavior for the people around us and the people in our circles of influence when we're online and we're operating in this digital space than it is when we're face-to-face. The fruits of the Spirit have got to define us everywhere we go, everything we say, everything that we do. We're just as accountable for our words and our actions when we're online. Great rule of thumb. Listen, if I wouldn't say it to someone's face because I was afraid of how it would make them feel, I shouldn't send the email, I shouldn't send the text, I shouldn't send the message, I shouldn't send the Snapchat, like whatever it is. Like I operate with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's who we are every facet, every area of our life. Maybe some of you guys have heard the old Preachers love this analogy of the thermometer versus the thermostat. You guys understand the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat? A thermometer reacts to the environment around it. Like as pressures and temperatures and tempers rise, like a thermometer elevates. Like it tells you what's going on around it and the thermometer reacts to that and stays caught up with that. But a thermostat does something different right? You you guys are smart. You see where I'm going with this. Like a thermostat monitors what's happening around it, but it controls the temperature. It controls the culture. It controls the vibe. And as a church, we're called to be thermostats and not thermometers. Like we're called to be the ones who bring the culture of heaven with us where we go. Like we don't just react to the tyranny of the urgent. We don't just react to the stressful news. We don't just react to those tickers. We don't just react to all the push notifications. We don't just let what's happening around us dictate who we are, how we behave, or how we act. Like we're thermostats. We've been given the controls. Like our hands are on the dials and we get to set the tone and the culture everywhere we go. In person, face-to-face, 
and online. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Like that we've been entrusted with that. And Jesus said, Paul said, like, listen, everywhere you go, everything you do, you take the culture of heaven, the fruit of the spirit with you. That's our role as the church. Like we don't get off the hook for that just because we're sitting at home on our computer. We've been given access to so much power. Like we get to speak peace into anxiety. We get to speak joy into fear. We get to speak power into people's pain and hopelessness. Like that's the control we've been given as thermostats in the kingdom of heaven. That's a gift that God has entrusted us with. How do we interface with technology? Three things really quick and then I'm done. Like first thing you gotta do is is we've gotta use it carefully. Technology is amoral. On its own, it does nothing without, it advances our agendas, right? Technology is a tool, and just like any other tool in the world, if we don't learn how to use it skillfully, and we don't learn some best practices, and we don't learn some safety, some parameters around how to use that, then we can get hurt. A chainsaw in the hands of a skilled woodsman, not me, by the way, a chainsaw in the hands of a skilled woodsman can be an incredibly effective and helpful tool. But you give that to a two-year-old, not so much, right? Because we've got to know and understand the power that we're holding, the power that we're wielding, how to use it, how to be effective with it, and how to make a difference. We've got to be careful with technology and the power that we've got. Listen, something shifted fundamentally in our world and in our culture when we were able to take the internet and put it in a tiny little box and put it in our kids' pockets and send them out into the world. Like something fundamentally shifted in our society and we've got to understand how we use it and how we interact. We've got to use it carefully. We've got to use it honestly. What's cool about technology is it, like I said, you can look on someone's Facebook and get to know them almost better than in person in a short meeting. Like that, it tells so much about who you are. When you use technology, pay attention to how it makes you feel. Pay attention to how technology tempts you to behave. Like pay attention to the way that, that you react to it. Why do I care how many followers I have on Instagram? Why do I care if anybody reacts to my Facebook post? Why do I care if someone puts an angry face on there, right? What were they really thinking? What are they, are they like, what did I say something? Like, what is it about us that needs and craves that kind of attention and that kind of interaction? It can tell you so much about yourself. Use it and be honest and pay attention and say, God, like, is that, is that something in me that you want to work on? Is that, an, is that an area where I need more fruit of the Spirit in my life? Like something could be better on display. Use it carefully. Use it honestly. And like we're wrapping up with this. Use it intentionally. Technology is such an incredible gift. Like look, look around you right now. Like look at all the technology that's being used at all of our sites this morning to further and amplify the message of the gospel. You're, some people are watching this online right now. Like you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for technology. We have dozens of countries all over the world that tune in every single week for our services here at this church. And that's, that's incredible. What a gift that is. Like Jesus' great commission was to take the gospel to all corners, all ends of the earth. And technology has made that possible for us in a whole new way. It's a brand new frontier. Like we would be foolish. We'd be stupid not to use it and not to capitalize on it. Yeah, we've got to know how to understand it. We've got to use it carefully. We've got to use it honestly and let it speak to us and tell us things about ourselves that maybe we wouldn't have noticed otherwise. But we've got to use it intentionally. Technology is at its best when it's enhancing the relationships around us and not distracting us from them. Like if your family, if your kids only ever see the top of your head, 
because your face is always in a screen, then that's, that's an issue, right? And we've got to pay attention to those kinds of things because here's the thing, like if the, if the ultra-connected tyranny of the urgent that we all see when we turn on the TV or we pull up you know, our favorite news app on our phone and whatever that looks like, if that's got us feeling stressed out or, or anxious and we feel like the world's kind of just degrading and going to hell in a handbasket, we hear people saying that and all these things and the, there's too much technology and it's going to be the end, it's going to be the downfall of us, artificial intelligence and self-driving cars. All, like if, if that's how we feel, if that's an underlying current in our life, then that's a problem and we need to pay attention to that because we've taken our eyes off of the king who spoke love and peace and joy over us. The king who died for you and said, no, no, I've got this. Like, you don't need to worry about it. Technology doesn't scare Jesus. Technology doesn't have him thinking like, oh man, this is looking bad. I don't know what's going to happen here. Like, nothing for him has changed. Some days we feel like technology has changed everything about our society and it has changed a lot. But on the flip side of it, absolutely nothing has changed. Technology doesn't have the power to destroy us. Technology doesn't have the power to bring us down. Again, it's amoral. It's an inanimate object. Like it takes the users and how we wield it to really make a difference. And here's the thing about us, like as a church, and I was like, we've, we've got to understand how to interact with it. Absolutely. We've got to be aware of this new digital space in this realm that we've got to interact in with now. And, and we've got to interact with the world. Like it's amazing. But we've also got to understand and know that above all else, who's whose we are. Because everything that we've discussed in this trending series that we're wrapping up here right now, like all these topics, like they could, if we let them, they could build up a spirit of fear within us. Like we could become a little bit timid and go like, man, there's just so much darkness in the world. Like, I don't know what my place is. I'm not sure like, like if we can do anything, if we can really make like almost like it's easier just to run and hide. And Jesus says, no, like none of this None of this has me scared. None of this has me nervous. Like lately, I've been uh, watching Netflix with my kids. Yay, technology, right? And been watching Planet Earth with them on there. I don't know if you guys like ever like take a chance just to watch one of those nature shows or experience. Like probably better to actually go out and live it yourself. But like any of those moments when I just when I just like pull my head out of the cloud for a second and just reflect on like the OG creation, you know. Like that, like God himself, like that just was able to, to speak and all of these cosmos were formed and like these animals that they don't worry and they don't stress about what's happening and where the world's like, they just know that God spoke to them and gave them a direction and gave them intention and gave them this instinct and they operate in like the beauty and the majesty and the scope and the splendor of creation. Like if we let it just absolutely shreds us like it shreds me sometimes when I'm watching those shows with my kids and just like I just forget sometimes how big God is and how sovereign he is you know there's over five million five million distinct species of insects like why I don't even understand if I was making them you get like a ladybug and a grasshopper maybe if you were lucky, and that's it, right? But it's just the, the limitless creativity, the limitless scope of what God, like five million individual species of insects. There's over 60,000 species of trees in our world. Like trees, like why? We could have had one kind of tree and no one would have noticed and nobody would have complained, right? Give us a good old maple, land of the free and home of the brave, yippee. And like he made 60,000 individual species 
of trees. Like there's over 250 billion stars, best estimate, in our own galaxy. And he did it because he could. He did it because creativity was a value for him. He did it because he wanted to enjoy. He did it because he wanted us to enjoy. He wanted something that would point the world back to him and remind them who was really in control. Like a moment we could look at that and say, man, isn't the God who made all of this so good and so big and so powerful and so omnipresent? There's nothing that he's not capable of. But then yet at the exact same time, that God died for me. Like loved me enough, loved us enough, loved his church enough, loved this world enough to die for us and wants a personal, intimate relationship and connection with every single one of us. And he doesn't look at technology and go, oh man, like that can't happen now. No, no, no. Like he's, he's got it unlocked. The Apostle Paul said it best in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. Listen to what he says about Jesus. He says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created. Anything. Any kind of technology was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything. And in the heavenly realms and on earth, he made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. And he holds it all together. He holds it all together like that God who spoke one word and 250 billion stars painted the universe and were just laid out into the expanses of the galaxies. Like that God holds it all together. He holds us together. He holds creation together. Like there's, there's no moment where we need to look at anything else and go, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. We know exactly how it works out. We've read the ending. We know that the God who wins died for us and loves us and says, I want you to bring the kingdom of heaven to your neighborhood. I want you to bring the kingdom of heaven to your workplace. The church should be a force for light and creativity. The only reason any of us are able to create and innovate anything. Like the only reason guys like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and Elon Musk were able to do anything cool is because of a reflection of the divine, the original creator that he placed inside of them. Do you understand that? Like the only reason any of us are able to do anything, create anything, innovate anything is because it's a design and a reflection of God that he placed in our hearts. Sometimes it feels like the digital age has changed everything. Nothing's changed. The God who holds it all together still holds you. The God who holds it all together still speaks promise and fulfillment over your life and over my life. And that is some good news, church. That is some good news. God, we love you, God, today. And we just respond to who you are and to your goodness. Father, will we just be reminded today of your magnificence, God? Will we be reminded of your power, Father? Will we be reminded that nothing takes you by surprise, God? Will we be reminded that we're yours, Father? Will we be reminded that we have hope, God? We are thermostats, not thermometers. We set the culture. We take it with us. We speak life, Jesus, because that's what you've called us and enabled us to do, God. So we walk in you. We turn our eyes to you today, Father. Our hope and our saving grace, Jesus, we need no one or anything else outside of you, Father. And we thank you for that. And we ask it in the amazing name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.